Hello, welcome to the LDS Study Session with Come Follow Me. This is Series 2, Episode 29. I'm your host, Matthew Roberts, and we're going to continue with our study of the Come Follow Me materials for this week. We are in January the 27th to February the 2nd, which is covering 1st Nephi 16 to 22. I will prepare the way before you. Uh, and we're looking at the same section as we were yesterday. When I keep the commandments, God will help me face challenges. This is covering 1 Nephi 16 to 18, a vast amount of uh, material, and uh, we'll do what we can. So uh, we're going to continue now with 1 Nephi 16, 17, sorry, uh, 4, 34 to 39, where we uh, deal with the death of Ishmael. So this is obviously a difficult time for the family. Uh, they are continuing their wilderness journey. And I'm going to talk about wilderness journeys in a minute uh, because I think this is an important lesson for us. But in verse 34 it says, And it came to pass that Ishmael died and was buried in the place which was called Nahom. Now this is a bit different uh, in terms of names of places. So up to this point, um, Nephi and Lehi and his family have named the places that they've encountered themselves. We think of the, the valley of uh, Lemuel uh, and things like that. Uh, and there's a couple of places where they don't name it, where it's already given that name. This is one example, uh, the place called Nahom. Now, some of you may know of or have, have, have read about this, but uh, a place, uh, I've kind of around on this point of the journey that uh, Lehi and his family would be on, uh, It's a place has been found that we we could think is actually called Nahom. Uh, if you look at, well, there's research on that, but if also if you look at the Book of, Book of Mormon Central, uh, No Wise, number 19, uh, it talks about uh, this place called Nahom. Uh, yeah. It's uh, just to, to on that journey with that where they were going. It's a place in Southern Arabia along that point of the journey. Uh, and people were looking for places because obviously in the Book of Mormon it states that this place was called Nahom. So, you know, it, all all signs would point to that place being given that name historically as well. Uh, but pl looking for places called Nahim, uh, because of, because in the uh, Arabic or the language, the Hebrew language they used at the time, they only used consonants. So NHM was being looked for. And they did find a place. And they, de and they dated that place back to... Uh, back to the time that Nephi and, uh, uh, and his family, or Lehi and his family, were, were traveling through the wilderness. This place dates back to 800 BC, or perhaps even further. Uh, and so it's another witness or another evidence that uh, this uh, place was, was a, in reality a place that they did stop at, uh, which is, is fascinating. Uh, anyway, there's more details uh, in, in that know-why, but it, it is really interesting that... Uh, there is actually archaeological evidence uh, of the places in the Book of Mormon as well uh, in the Old World, which is fascinating. But of course, this death of, going back to the death of Ishmael, this obviously had an impact on the family. Uh, the daughters of Ishmael, who, if not, don't remember, if you remember, uh, stopped Laman and Lemuel from continuing their efforts to leave Nephi in the wilderness when they first brought the family of Ishmael back. Uh, the daughters of Ishmael now did mourn exceedingly. Uh, and start to murmur because of their father, uh, their father's death, and uh, they seriously have concern for their future and their welfare, which of course you know the death of a family member on such a wilderness journey would have a huge impact. What is also interesting uh, is Laman and Lemuel's reaction, and it's also interesting how this this kind of 
uh, interaction works because it's Laman that says to Lemuel, let us slay our father in verse 37. Uh, in fact, I'll read 37 at the start of verse 38. It says, And Laman said unto Lemuel, and also unto the sons of Ishmael, Behold, let us slay our father, and also our brother Nephi, who has taken it upon him to be our ruler and our teacher, who are his elder brethren. Now he says that the Lord has talked with him, and also that angels have ministered unto him. But behold, we know that he lies unto us, and he tells us these things. And I'll stop there. Now, I find this really fascinating, how Laban, first of all, is able to have this, well, what we presume is this spiritual blindness to what is going on. These two, Laban and Lemuel, have seen an angel themselves. They have heard an angel witness to them that Nephi will be their ruler and their leader. Uh, and yet Laban is here saying, you know, he, Nephi is saying that he's taught with angels and been taught by angels and heard the voice of the Lord. And I think it's all lies. I mean, it's just... It's fascinating to see how, you know, someone who is so set in their ways or someone who's, who has such strong uh, opinions of themselves rather than trusting in the Lord can just completely disregard this. Uh, in a talk called Lessons from Laman and Lemuel by uh, uh, Neil, a., Neil M. A. Wack Maxwell in October 1999, he said this, quote, Early on, Laman rejected the role that he should role he should have played and instead wanted to be top dog in the manger, resenting all the while Nephi's spiritual leadership. Lemuel was not only Laban's dutiful satellite, but he was also his enabler by allowing himself to be stirred up by Laban. If instead Laban had been fully isolated, certain outcomes could have been very different. We have enablers in our society too. They allow themselves to be stirred up against that which is good. They are not entitled to a free pass any more than Lemuel. Like him, their comparative visibility is low, but their hypocrisy is high, close quote. And I think that's interesting because Lemuel does have this kind of different role to play in all of this than Laman, it seems, but he enables Laman, and so Laman feels more empowered to then go and, you know, act out his murmurings and his, his whisperings and his uh, intents uh, against Nephi and his father, which I think is interesting. Uh, we then move on to First Nephi 17, and because this whole experience of building the boat is quite a quite a substantial one, and, and crossing the uh, the sea, uh, I'm going to set the context for it uh, now, uh, and then we'll move on, on to that experience tomorrow. So they reach this; that they're struggling through the wilderness, and it's and it's important here that Nephi states that they, that they waded through many afflictions. They did have difficulties. Let's not forget that whilst they were led and guided by the Lord. Uh, you know, so that the journey was not as difficult as it perhaps could have been, or as uh, fatal as it could have been. They still did wade through many afflictions, uh, but the, as Nephi states, the blessings of the Lord were upon them. And we just see here, and, and I think we've forgotten to mention this a couple of times in, in the last couple of weeks, the ministry of the Lord. We, we want to focus on this ministry of the Lord in the Book of Mormon. And actually, I forgot to mention that with this whole discussion that Laman and Lemuel have, the Lord, the voice of the Lord actually speaks to them and chastises them. Uh, and so again, the Lord steps in and ministers to, to the Lehi and his traveling family. And again, in 1 Nephi 17, 2, the blessings of the Lord were upon them. They were, they were supported through that. And in verse 3, it says, And thus we see that the commandments of God must be fulfilled. And if it so be that the children of men keep the commandments of God, he doth nourish them and strengthen them, and provide means whereby they can accomplish the thing which he has commanded them. Wherefore he provide means, he did provide means for us while we did sojourn in the wilderness. 
Uh, again, very similar language to that first Nephi 3.7, where he states that the Lord provides the way to accomplish the thing that he has commanded them, uh, which, of course, uh, you could argue is Nephi's kind of his mantra or his, or his kind of vision or his uh, motto in life. In 1 Nephi 17.4, it says, And we did sojourn for the space of many years, yea, even eight years in the wilderness. Now, this is fascinating because eight years is a long time. And this journey that they took should not have taken eight years. I think there's two possible uh, reasons or explanations for this. First of all, we just need to look at another wilderness journey that we know of in the scriptures, uh, the one of the children of Israel and Moses. We know that that journey... Uh, that from from kind of the Red Sea to the land that was promised them, to the promised land, uh, should not have taken them the time that it did. But in fact, it took them 40 years to make this journey. Uh, and we know that this is because of their kind of disobedience and their reluctance to listen to Moses, the prophet, and so on. And you could argue that this is probably the case here, that whilst they did obviously have Nephi and Lehi trying to lead this family, a vast majority of the group were disobedient, were, were rebellious, and so this could have led to that. Also, the word sojourn in this context is interesting. Uh, S. Kent Brown uh, has examined, who, who has examined kind of the, the wordings and the uh, etymologies of the words in, in the Book of Mormon, suggests the word sojourn is actually one that relates to captivity uh, or kind of a time where you are kept held, held, kept held of. Uh, and perhaps that during this time of the wilderness, this did happen. We do know that the Lord later on uh, in the uh, Book of Mormon, or in, the, in this chapter, in fact, Nephi uh, states that they were commanded not to make fires on this journey because, and we presume this is because of, you know, uh, unfriendly tribes or uh, kind of marauders that will try and capture them and loot them or, or enslave them. And... Uh, this, this, this also may suggest the word sojourn, that there, there was some sort of experiences in the wilderness where they, had, where, where they had to wait for quite a while or be kept held or that they were captured for quite a while. But ultimately, they made their way to the land bountiful in verse 5, uh, which says it had much fruit and also wild honey. And all these things were prepared of the Lord that we might not perish. And we beheld the sea, which we called Iriantum, which being interpreted is many waters. Again, Two more very important contextual points here uh, that we want to take note of. The land bountiful uh, is an interesting one because, again, it's an example of a place where we should be able to see these things in this wilderness, in, 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 in the uh, old world. There are 12 things that are required for this. Fresh water available all the year round, that it contained much fruit and honey, as the verses there suggested, that both the general area and specific location were, were, were fertile, uh, they needed reasonable access from the desert to the coast, uh, a mountain prominent enough to justify Nephi's, Nephi's reference of going to a mount uh, so he could pray oft, uh, cliffs from which Nephi's brothers could have thrown into the depths of the sea because there was reference in verse chapter 17, verse 48 about them going to the cliffs to cast him off into the sea, a shoreline where you could construct and launch a, sh a ship, uh, ore and flints for Nephi making his tools where he was shown where they were by the Lord, enough timber to, to build a trusty and seaworthy ship, and su suitable winds and ocean currents to take the ship out to the ocean. Uh, no other population resting on this island, because, of course, there was no reference to this kind of, to another population trying to take the ore or the wood or not being happy that uh, Nephi, and also so that Nephi would have to rely on his brothers to build this ship. 
and on the Lord to locate the ore, uh, and that it's in an easterly direction from Nahum. And if you look for those things, there are a number of places uh, it, that do match this criteria. And it's very specific criteria when you sit and think about it and how just sparse this, this desert and this wilderness was. There's a place called Kar Kafort, uh, which, uh, or Kor Kafort, so K-H-O-R-K-H-A-R-F-O-T, uh, which is one of these fertile places right there in an easterly direction from Nahom, which meets all of these criteria. Uh, that was a but that was mentioned above. Again, you know, a, a, another example of how the, the Book of Mormon has many references and points in there, which which have been backed up by by research. Uh, this this word iriantum is interesting, uh, and basically, this this idea of many waters, I think it suggests that they felt overwhelmed and awed with the encounter with what was probably the Arabian Sea. Uh, that they've travelled through this wilderness for years and then suddenly they see this vast amount of water. It's kind of just, it would have just been overwhelming just to look out and see nothing out in the distance other than just water and water for, for you know, for as far as their eye could see, uh, which again would have in, 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 in required them to be so trustful in the Lord that he was going to direct them and help them through this next part of their perilous journey. Uh, anyway, I hope that you've enjoyed the study today. Uh, it was quite a bit longer than usual again, but there is so much to cover in this in this week, and so I hope you'll bear with me on that. Uh, I hope there's something that you've learned and that's something you can apply, whether it's something interesting about the context or, or kind of the, uh, the points within the Book of Mormon, such as the land bountiful and the land Nahum, or the lessons that we learned, such as how we can try and avoid to... Uh, be enablers like Lemuel and how we can try and be uh, focused on the Lord and trusting on the Lord and his uh, His ability to deliver us, which of course has been a constant theme right through these 17 chapters of the Lord's ministry to Nephi and his family. Uh, if there's anything that you've been studying that uh, you found interesting, I'd love to hear it at Matt S. Roberts 90 on Twitter or email LDSStudySession at gmail.com. Once again, thank you very much for your time and until we meet again.